Lord, we just come before you this morning. Lord, I come before you this morning and ask you, Lord, to be with me anoint the words I speak. I pray that for each person here that you open the ears of their heart, that the word, the Holy Spirit, would take the word and place it in their hearts. I pray, Lord God, that your word would not return void to you. You promise it won't. But, Lord, it would bring forth life. Change us, Lord, more and more to your likeness. We thank you, Father. Amen. A walk with God. Just before I start, I just want to say, Talanga, God loves your faithfulness. I believe God sees your faithfulness. And it's... Um, He's very pleased with your faithfulness. And Shannon, thank you for your words this morning. They encouraged me. Um, I'm speaking a bit about the same things. Walking with God. And I just want to start off with... Oh, yeah. Just look at Enoch. Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah just in case you didn't know that. But Enoch walked with God, and it says, and he was no more, or he was translated, for God took him. So he walked about 300 and something years on this earth. And he, it tells us in Hebrews, which I'll read next, that his, that his walk pleased God, and God, he didn't die. God just took him up to heaven. In Hebrews 11.5 it says, By faith Enoch was taken up, and he was not because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So he was a man on this earth who walked with God and pleased God. But to us, he had a great disadvantage, although he got taken up by God. You see, God was not inside of him. God was outside of him. God visited him, no doubt. God spoke to him, no doubt. And he spoke to God. But he was always speaking to God and God was out there and he was here. Whether God appeared to him in the form of an angel or form of a man, I don't know. Doesn't tell us any more about Enoch. But that's how God appeared unto people back then. When he appeared unto Moses, I mean to Abraham, he appeared in the form of a man. They came and visited Abraham, three of them. And so God was speaking to Abraham and Abraham was speaking. If you know the story, he was talking about Lot and, and Sodom and he was pleading. He was saying Abraham was pleading to God and God was there and he was here. And he was saying, Lord, if there's be 50 righteous ones, please don't wipe out Sodom. God heard him and God said, okay, if there's 50, I won't. And Abraham knew there was even less than that. There was only Lot and his household. So then he came back and said, if there's 40, but they're having a discussion, two separate, Abraham's here and God is there, so to speak. And Enoch was in the same era. And God was speaking to him, but God was outside of him. But we have a great advantage because God is within us. He's within us. I was encouraged by Shannon's word this morning. 
Because as Shannon pressed into God, God revealed himself inside of him. And that's what God wants for all of us. And no matter, even if he has, he wants us to do it in a greater and greater depth. So that our testimony might be that we are ones who please God. It's always God. It starts with God. And I just want to talk a little bit about God. See, God, he's unfathomable in a way. I mean, you think you'll know a little bit about him, but he has no beginning and no end. And we can't imagine no beginning and no end. It's hard to believe what's before what's before. You know? But there's no beginning with God and no end. He's alive forevermore and has been always. He's our God. And we can say our God because he is our God. You see, he chose us. Sure, you chose him at some point, but he chose us. And so I can say our, same as I can say my parents. I didn't choose them, but in a sense they chose me. So I can say my parents. I can say my God because he chose me. And he chose each one of you. So you can say my God, my God. And so while he is, while he's forever, he's also very personal, very intimate. He allows us to be mine and ours. And we know this, says in Genesis, but he created all things. Everything that you see, know about, he created. It's been clear the last couple of nights. And you go outside and you can see stars, oh, it seems like to us forever. Thousands of them. And I was looking from my place when you can't see, the, because of the lights of the city, you can't see the stars quite as much. But over the holidays, we were a bit further away from the city. And when you looked up, oh, there seemed to be so many more stars. He created all that. But he also created the, the, the smallest of things. To create all that, he created atoms and electrons, little molecules little cells. He created all that. So he's a huge God, amazing God. And he created us. Tells us that in Genesis, tells us how he created us. He created man. Male and female, he created them. He says he's created man in his own image. And then he says in the next breath, man and female, he created them. You see, we're created by God, all of us, male and female, in his image. And yet when we, he's, un, he's, un, uh, he's nearly unknowing when we see how great he is. Now, not only did he create the world, but it says there's a scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews 1 and 2. It's there already. God has, in these last days, spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, and that's Jesus, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, 
and upholding all things by the word of his power. And the bit of emphasized there is upholding all things. See, he created all things, but all things exist today because God is upholding them. It's present tense. He's upholding them. If God wasn't involved daily with our universe, with everything, it would collapse. It would collapse down and collapse. But he upholds it. It's by God that these things carry on. They don't carry on because they were made that way and he set it in motion and pushed it away. He daily, minute by minute, upholds it and keeps it functioning exactly, precisely how it should. That's our God. That's the greatness of our God. He keeps everything going. And it says there, by the word of his power. And I thought if I had written the Bible, I'd put by the power of his word. Luckily, I didn't write it. It's by the word of his power. You see, right at the beginning, God spoke and things came into being. And the reason that things keep going today and planets keep revolving around the sun and the way cells divide and things happen in this life, it's because of the word of his power. See, because his word, he spoke, but the word's not, the, the power's not in the word, the power's in God. And so God speaks and things happen. But, but the centurion understood this. The centurion who came to Jesus and said, listen, I've got a, I've got a sick servant. He's sick unto dying. He's going to die. Would you heal him? And Jesus said, he actually sent his servants to ask Jesus to come. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm coming. And when the centurion heard that, he said, you don't need to come. You only have to speak your word and it will be done. And God marveled, Jesus marveled at that point. I've never seen such faith. But he understood that the spoken word of God carried the power of God and would heal. It would change that sickness into health. It would kill whatever bugs were in that person's body and change them completely. So he went from sickness to full health. Just like that. He didn't do half recovery. Well, he's looked a bit better today. You don't need to come, Jesus. I think he's going to recover. And the next day, ah, he's getting a bit better. Temperature's gone down. I think fever's broken. wasn't like that. It said that very hour he was healed. See, that's our God. <laughs> when he made things, he spoke and they came to be into being. And when he spoke, Jesus spoke, that man, that servant was healed. And that centurion understood that it was the word of his power, that Jesus had to but speak the word and he would be healed. Now, why am I saying all this? Because God is truly almighty. I worked, Peter asked me to preach. On Tuesday, he rang me up and asked if I wouldn't mind speaking. And so I was lying there, well, I think in bed, but not when he rang me up, but later on, next morning, I think, maybe the morning after, and I was thinking, Lord, what am I going to speak about? And just a song came to my heart, and I don't often have songs. I don't wake up to songs very often. I should, but I don't. I'd love to. But the good news was, and I'm not going to sing it to you, but it was to ascribe greatness to my, our God, the rock. It's an old hymn. 
ascribe greatness to our God the rock. His ways are perfect. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. He's a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. And really was speaking to me about the almightiness of God. And so that's why I wanted to go through a few of these things this morning. That song, by the way, comes from Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4. It's scripture. It's great. It's got life in it. And it's the almightiness of God. We struggle to understand God. Now, he reveals himself to us, so we do understand him. But we don't understand the enormity of him and everything about him. We will when we see him face to face, but we don't now. But there's even things of this life that we don't understand. You see, this is, you'd say, is solid. I look at this. It's solid. If it was a piece of stone sitting on a pedestal, you'd even think, oh, it's more solid. But when God made the atoms, you have a little nucleus and you have an electron. Now, if that nucleus was the size of a pinhead, that's pretty small, the electron would be like 100 yards away, going around this little piece here. That's mostly it's space. A little tiny pinhead, and 100 yards away, there'd be an electron, and you wouldn't even be able to see the size of that electron. Mostly it's space. And yet you put one to another to another to another, and you put them together, and it becomes solid. And you might find that very amazing, but I find that amazing. I find that really amazing. That you have these, all the space, it's like, like it's 99.99999% space. And you put it all down, condense it all down, and you should have a lot of dense space, but you don't. You end up with solid. And that's our God. He made things amazing. You know, when he made cells, and we just, we're a, we're a conglomeration of cells. And we live every day and cells come off us and new cells grow. But if you ever look and you can go on YouTube and it'll show you, I've only seen YouTube for a fish, but it shows you the procreation of a fish. Starts off as one cell. It's called mitosis. And one cell divides into two cells. And then divides into four cells. And then it divides into six cells. Oh, sorry, four cells goes to eight cells. And eight cells to 16 cells. But you know, that first cell has got everything in it for the fish. All the information for that fish to occur. But it divides into two, and both those two cells are exactly the same. Then they all divide, and they end up with four, and they're exactly the same. And then it divides into six, eight, and is exactly the same, and they divide into 16 exactly the same cells. How that cell knows to, how to replicate it exactly, I don't know. But then interesting things happen. Some cells don't replicate themselves exactly. They replicate themselves over a series of replications into a bit of a bony structure. Others replicate themselves into an eyeball. Others replicate themselves into a heart. 
they've all got a bit of information that tells them what to do, when to do it. It's just amazing. And they don't get it wrong, and they all do it together. They talk to each other somehow, because the eyeball cell, because there's millions of cells in an eyeball, they all talk to the other eyeball cells, and they all do it at the same time in the same place. In this embryo, which is getting up to a little size, if you look through a microscope at it, all the ones over there turn into an eye. Not the one by the tail doesn't turn into an eye. Only those ones up there turn into an eye. And those ones down at the tail, they just turn into a fin. I mean, this is amazing. Just utterly amazing. And that's our God. That's what our God does. And he upholds all that in his hand throughout the ages. And without him, you wouldn't have fish with eyeballs. <laughs> but you wouldn't have us. You wouldn't have life like it is. And so then we come to us and we say, how do we live? How do you and I live? And if you went to school, they'll tell you how you live. And if you listen to the world today, they'll say, listen, if you eat well and you exercise regularly and you go out and get a bit of sunlight, you'll live a healthy life. And that's a little bit true. Because Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. So that bit is true. The sunlight, a bit of food, and a bit of exercise, and your body will function and function quite well. But he said, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how we really live. He said, that comes back to that scripture there, by the word of his power. By the words that come from God, give me life. That's where life really is. It's not in the movement of my finger. Yeah, it shows it's alive. My body's alive. But it's not really life. That's just functioning worldly matter. And it's, this, it's that that sets us apart from everything else that we know about. It sets us apart from every other animal, it sets us apart from all other created things, including angels. We're the only person, only, call ourselves the only person whom God comes and lives within. Nothing else. He doesn't live within my dog, doesn't live within my cat. He doesn't inhabit angels, but he inhabits you and me. And when I look out and upon you, I can say, ah, oh, yeah, I see Shannon. But, you know, I can look out and see God in Shannon. That's what God does. We were at Connect Group the other night and we all shared somebody in our Christian walk who we felt had influenced us. And I shared on a chap called Mike Bensley, who some couple of you here will know. But when I became, I was a new Christian coming to this church, went to his Connect Group. And he demonstrated just through his life, Jesus to me. I saw in him Jesus. Now, he was not a high flyer. He wasn't one who shouted and raised his arms. He was a gentle, stuttering, and he stuttered badly, man. And yet, I saw Jesus in him. Why? Because Jesus was in him, 
And daily he walked with Jesus, so much so that he was being transformed to Jesus on the inside. And that shone through unto others. It shone through unto me anyway as a new Christian. And I believe when he went, I believe, I know he's gone to heaven, but I believe when God would have seen him in heaven, he would say, oh, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because he had allowed himself to be changed into the image of God. Now, God only comes to live inside of us if we let him. And even after we've let him in, he only lives with us if we let him. Jesus said, he's answering, I think, uh, I don't know who he's answering here, but he's answering somebody a question anyway. And he said unto him, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, making an abode with somebody is not just visiting or renting. It's living with them. If I can put it this way, if I open my heart and he comes into my house, he doesn't just come into my house and lives in my back bedroom and gets up in the morning and goes out and comes back by the back door again. That's not how God abides with us. He abides with us by coming in. It's a bit like if I invited me to come around to your place and I come in and I sit at your table. You think, get out of here, Dan, I'm here. <laughs> I'm not saying much, but I'm here looking for a feed. Okay. And then you go, into the you go into the sitting room to watch TV. So I come along, I sit down and watch TV with you, right with you. You're off to the bedroom. I'm coming along to the bedroom with you. <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm there. That's our God. He's an intimate God. He says, I'll abide with you, and he wishes to abide with us in every facet of our house. But only if we let him. So he doesn't sit there and chatter. You'll never had a few people come round who come and sit and they chatter. Be quiet. <laughs> Wish they hadn't come round. No, 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 that's not pointing the finger at anybody here. <laughs> God speaks to us, but you know, we don't hear. Often we don't hear. It's a bit like my wife and I. Also, I didn't know that. She said, I told you. I said, I didn't hear. She said, I told you. The same discussion would be had with God. So you didn't tell me that, God? He says, I told you. I didn't hear it. Well, whose fault's that? You see? So often our ears are closed because God is willing to speak to us. But why often we don't hear him, he's at my breakfast table and I get up and I come down and i thinking of work and I grab my cornflakes and I eat those down. I don't even look across the table at him. I've eaten the cornflakes, I put the bowl aside, I maybe wash it and put it in the dishwasher, and then I go out. <laughs> and God was willing to speak, and he probably spoke quietly, and I didn't hear him. And that's a mistake we all make. Well, a lot of us make. Some of you won't. But God wants us to wake up in the morning and stretch and say, good morning, God. And then we hear him and he speaks to us. See, his promise to us 
is that my sheep hear my voice. Just going back to the complexity of God, the mystery of God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said unto the disciples, he's, he's talking about leaving them, and they're a bit confused about this. And he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. See, the Holy Ghost, is God, God is one. Three persons, but indistinguishable. They're one. Co-equal, there's one. And so God the Holy Spirit is God within me. Jesus Christ is God. God the Father is God. And so God is within me and within each one of you. And the Holy Spirit is not it. He's God. He's He. And He's within us. And he comes to comfort us, it says. Let's go back that one. And it says he will also teach us things. All things. And there's another scripture later on. It says he leads us into all truth. And he brings those things to remembrance that we've forgotten. Remembrance of things that Christ has said. He'll bring them to us. But you know, this person comes to my house and he's sitting at my breakfast table and at my dinner table and in my lounge, in my bedroom. But I have to acknowledge him. Otherwise, it's as if he's not there. He's there, all right. He's there. But unless I acknowledge him, it's like he's not there. And I miss out on the promises of God. And I miss out on walking with God and living with God. My friend rang me up the other day and he said, how are you? I said, I'm great. He says, you always say that. And I said, well, I am great. I said, how can I not be great? God is within me. He's right here within me this morning. I can't help but be great. He's going to look after me. You see, no matter what stage of the Christian walk you're at, he'll look after us, same as we do. When my child was small, my child really didn't have to do much. We fed him. Fed her. There were three girls. We fed them. We fed them and clothed them and washed them. And as they grew older, they started to converse and there was instruction involved. And then it was a requirement for them to do a little bit of work. And to get food, they had to actually start to work for it. They didn't have to arrive 17 years of old at the table and say, give me the food, mum. No, 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 no. They had to help cook it. They had to do some things, take the rubbish out, whatever the tasks were. So they, And it's the same with us. When you first start off with God, they'll feed you. As a new Christian, and I was delighted with Shannon saying, he's, he's through COVID, and then all of a sudden God's making the scriptures alive to him. And that's what happens at the beginning. It becomes alive. But as we go on, it's the privilege of a king to search out the matters. Why does God want us to start searching? Because he wants us to mature. Because he wants us to have faith. See, the baby only has a very limited faith. The faith is if I open my mouth, food will come into it. But it doesn't have much faith beyond that. 
But as a 19 or 20 year old, after you've received instruction, your faith is much stronger, even though I've had to work for it, even though I've had to peel the spuds and take the rubbish out, my understanding of the truths of God have become deeper and my faith is wider or stronger, if I can put it that way. That's what God does to us as he walks with us daily. The Holy Spirit's given to us, comes into the world, but is given to us, and and he's given to us, and it says here for the world, but it's also he will convict us. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And that's not a one-off thing. It's not, oh, he came and convicted me when I was a sinner and I gave my heart to him, that's it. No, he's at my table every day. And through my conscience, he'll convict me. And so I shut my conscience down. Through through my intuition, he will convict me, and I shut that down. Then he'll send my wife to speak to me, and I might shut that down. Then he'll send somebody else to speak to me. He's always looking to bring that conviction to us, to conviction of righteousness, conviction of sin. Why? Why does he do that? He does lots of other things for us. He gives us gifts. He enables us. He strengthens us. But I just concentrate on this one. But why does he do this? Because, first thing, because he just wants to. He just wants to. I mean, it says in the Bible, and people ask this of question, David, Lord, why, what is man that you're mindful of him? Job said the same. Lord, why are you mindful of man? Why, why have you chosen us? I don't know, except he says, I have. I've chosen you. Thankfully, he's chosen us. Otherwise, my end is just like a beast of the field. But my end isn't because God has chosen us and he's chosen to live with us. And the second reason is so he might shine his glory unto the world. To shine his glory unto the world. See, I was talking about Mike Bensley. I saw the glory of God in him. Sure. Somewhat dimly, it wasn't a direct representation of Christ, and he'd be probably the first to say that. But I saw, I saw in him, and God wants to, the world to see Christ in us. And that's why he comes and dwells with us. It's to strengthen us so that I will change bit by bit more and more into his image, both in my mind and in my heart. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And that's found when we have a close walk with God. Without a close walk with God, it's not found. We have a life, but not a life, abundant life, and not a life in Christ. You see, God, before the foundations of the world, God knew you, each one of you. You're not, you were not a surprise to God. You are for this hour, for this time. Every one of you here. You're not a mistake. You weren't supposed to be born in the 18th century or the second century. You're supposed to be born now, whenever you were born now. And you're supposed to be alive now. 
And it says, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts I have for you. It's the thoughts of God. I know these thoughts, says God. Well, I'm pleased he does because they're his thoughts, but he knows them. And he says, the thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. See, he has an expected end for each one of us. And he has angels cheering us on. He has angels going before us and behind us. And God moving mountains sometimes to bring about that expected end on our life. And we can either walk with God and allow that end to come to pass. Or I can resist God. And that end might not come to pass. Even though God knew it and God desired it. Because if I resist him, he won't push himself onto me and he doesn't make me do things. And so I'll end up an old man who will have no glory of God shining through him. But that's not God's purpose for me and it's not God's purpose for you. He has you to, for every length of time he's allotted you on this earth, he wants to shine through you. And he wants to shine unto the world so they'll look upon you and say, you are different. And they will sense the godliness of you. When you wake up in the morning, you've got three enemies. You've got the lusts of the flesh, which is self. Don't worry, they're not dead. They'll be alive in each one of you. You'll have the lusts of the flesh. The other enemy you'll have is the system of the world. The system of the world that will tell you how to think. The system of the world tells you that men with money are, have more knowledge than paupers. That's the world tells you that. If I said to you, right, we're going to go and find a homeless man down uh, Central City and we're going to put him on a podium and I want you to all come to listen to what he says, nobody will turn up. If I tell you, I've talked to Bill Gates and he's my friend of mine and he's going to come and speak at the Auckland Town Hall and it's free ticket for you, everybody will turn up. Why? Because the world says that a man with money has more brains and, 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 and is, is wiser to listen to than a man without money. And it's not true. And it's, I can just keep going on. The world tells you that your value is in the outside beauty. And we all try to make ourselves look good. And there's something about making ourselves look pleasant. But God says the beauty of a woman is on the inside. That's what God says. But the world will tell you opposite. So there's the lusts of the flesh, first enemy. The world's system, the second enemy. And the devil is your third enemy, or demons, or satanic hosts. They're your third enemy. And they'll all come and try to convince you of something. Right at the beginning, Satan turned up to Eve and tried to convince her of something. But the good news is the Holy Spirit is with us. I wake and he's with me. Those three enemies are out there. My God is here inside of me. And I can be an overcomer no matter what any of those three things throw at me. The devil can say something to me. You know what the, what the Bible says about the devil? I can resist him. I don't need to even fight him. I just need to resist him. Go away from me. And he must flee. 
So if he came through that door towards me and says something, I say, I resist you. In the name of Jesus, go. And he must flee. He's gone. So anybody who says the devil told them to do something, probably true. The devil did tell them what they should have said, but I didn't resist it and I just went and did it. All you had to do was resist him and he will flee. Why? Because at the cross, Jesus made it, had a victory, complete victory over him and made an open display of him. And so he has no power over me, no power at all if I stand under the blood of Jesus and resist him. I don't have to spend hours on it. I resist him. He's gone. He has to flee. He's not allowed to stay around doing it. That's not fleeing. I resist you. And he runs around this side and tries again. No, I resisted him. He's got to flee. Jesus said he had to. It's not quite the same with our flesh. At the cross, Jesus did not crucify our flesh. Our flesh has to be dealt to by myself. And so when my mind says to me, and it has been lately, I want to eat. <laughs> I want to eat. <laughs> my wife's been telling me, the word of God to me, don't eat so much. <laughs> my flesh, you don't eat, it's okay. You'll go for a walk soon and you'll walk it off. That's the flesh. And I can listen to it or I can not listen to it. The Holy Spirit will strengthen me. He lives inside of me and he'll give me the power to put it aside. There might be a bit of a battle that goes on with me. He says, you can watch that movie. The Holy Spirit in my conscience says, nah, shouldn't watch that one. I was watching one the other day and it was only R16. It wasn't terrible. Except after a while I was watching it, I was watching it on Netflix and it was a series. And after about the third series, I thought, this is not good. It's not good. It's not doing me any good watching this. It was enjoyable, but it wasn't good. So I had to flag it and not watch it anymore. Why? Because my conscience spoke to me. It was God speaking to my conscience. You must listen. I must listen to my conscience. You must listen to yours. And we've all got different consciences and they all speak to us differently. All the time, the world will have us to believe something. And when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't overthrow the world system. The world system's still in place. Before the cross, it was still thought that people with money, people with money were to be elevated. After the cross, the world still thinks people are money to be elevated. It's up to us to discern, see, and hear. And God says, my sheep hear my voice. You see, by his voice we can discern things. Now be careful, you hear voices, can be, this, can be Satan. He'll come and say things to us. We need to discern what's God and what's not of God. Not just I heard a voice, I'll do it. What's God's voice and what's he saying? If God is for us, and he really is, if we just have the musicians, please. If God is for us and he really is, he's within us. He's within us and he says, I'm not going to leave you. You might ignore me. And it's a bit like if I came and sat at your table and I'm sitting there and I'm eating at your table and I'm at your lounge and you're ignoring me. I'm not going away. I'm not going to leave your home. I'm going to stay here. 
and you're going to look at me eventually. And when you look at me, you'll recognize me. And you'll probably fall on your knees at that point and say, Lord, you've been in my house for 40 years and I haven't recognized you. But God is faithful. See, the faithfulness of God is not like man. The faithfulness of man is, if I came to your house and you didn't acknowledge me for about, probably for me, half a day, maybe two weeks, depending on how well I know you, but you just ignore me, I'd leave. I'd go home. I'd go back to Pam. So they didn't even want me there. They didn't want me. But that's not our God. Our God says, I want to come and live in your house. And you ignore him, and he's going to stay. And you ignore him, and he's going to stay. And you ignore him, and he's going to stay. Because he's faithful. He's faithful. Because he wants you to look upon him so you recognize him. So that we can become Enoch's. We can walk with God and please him. Our testimony is that we've pleased God. And we will not die. And we'll go to heaven. And you say, oh, Enoch didn't die in his flesh. He didn't die in his flesh. And I will die in my flesh, probably, unless Christ returns. But I won't die in my spirit. And the life that I have won't die. And I'll go and be with him. And that's what God wants of each one of us. And he's calling each one of us. And I believe he gave us this word this morning for the church. I waited on and said, Lord, what is this that you wanting me to say? Because he's wanting us to look across the kitchen table, to look across our dining table, to look across at our kitchen bench, to look at him in our lounge, and to commune with him. To commune with him so that we be changed more and more like him. And as we're changed more and more like him, we'll display our, God's glory to the world. You won't display my glory, God's glory. And it will be seen by the world. For the, John 13, 30-something, it says, For the world will know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. You know, Holy Spirit doesn't teach us love. What he does, he changes us so that we do love. He changes us to be like Christ and then we love. And he says that we'll love one another. He commands us, love one another. Why? So that the glory of God will be shown into the world. So commune with God daily. Walk daily with Him. Talk to Him. Talk to Him. Spend time, give him time. Give him some time. Without time, it's very difficult to talk to him. Give him some time. And the more time you give him, the more you'll be changed to want to give him time. At the beginning, it'll be hard. I don't give him any time. He'll just give me a job to do. But as that relationship becomes an intimate relationship, it's easy to spend time with him. I can speak about that. I've lived with my wife. 40 odd years and it's easy to live with her easy why because you have an intimate relationship and that's what God wants with us an intimate relationship and the biggest thing he'll do for us he'll change us that we'll become overcomers in Revelation he's speaking into the churches and all the time if I of them he says be an overcomer we'll become overcomers Overcomers of those things that beset us. Overcomers of those things that would distract us from Him. 
Hallelujah. Amen. It's not a hard walk. It's not a hard walk. It's an easy walk. But first, we have to make time. First, I have to realize God Almighty is living inside of me. This is the God who made amazing things and made the whole universe light years away. He put a star and yet he comes and lives in me. He doesn't live in that star, he lives in me. He lives in you. He made molecules that know how to divide, divide, divide to become a fish or become anything they become. Amazing. That's our God. But he comes to live with us and to talk with us and to abide with us so that we might display his glory to the world and that we might commune and find a satisfaction in our heart that we can be like Paul. No matter what the circumstances are, I'm satisfied with my God because my God gives me a peace that surpasses understanding. And he tells me, I'm okay. I've got you. Hallelujah. Amen. So while we play the, play the next song, when we play the next song, if, if there's anybody here who's never really given their heart to the Lord, if you've said, oh yeah, I accept Jesus as Lord, but you've never confessed and said, no, I'm going to turn away from all these things. While the song's on, I invite you to come forward. I invite you to come forward because there's a power in confessing that Christ is Lord and that I need it to be changed completely. And even if you have given your heart to the Lord, but the things in your life that you want cut off, things in your life that you know need to be dealt with, I invite you again, come forward. I'll pray with you. It won't be me doing it. It'll be the Holy Spirit doing it. But there's a power in coming unto God and saying, Lord, help me deal with this. He says, not by... The Holy Spirit lives within us to strengthen us. We of ourselves can do nothing. But God can do everything. And so there's a power in having somebody pray with us and confess, Lord, this in my life needs changing. And you'll be surprised how God undertakes. Hallelujah.